listening to Your Practice Made Perfect. Support, protection, and advice for practicing medical professionals. Brought to you by SVMIC. Hey everyone, welcome back to Your Practice Made Perfect. My name's Renee Tidwell and I'm going to be your host for this episode. In today's show, we're going to be discussing OSHA. At SVMIC, we talk with practices regularly about OSHA and we always get a bunch of questions. Today, we're going to cover implementing an OSHA program, what exactly OSHA means to a practice, among other important topics. To walk us through this conversation, we've got SVMIC's Leslie Snyder with us. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Before we dive into our discussion, why don't we start with learning a little bit about you? All right. Well, like you said, I'm Leslie Snyder. I am a medical practice consultant um, as a part of our medical practice services department here at SVMIC. I've been with the company for about two and a half years, originally from Oklahoma, new transplant to our headquarters location here in Brentwood. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Um, In my background, I... um, I have a background, a bit of a mixed background, actually. I started out on the clinical side of things and then moved into administration later. So I've got a bit of both worlds, and with that comes a lot of compliance. So that's that's how I ended up as our go-to OSHA problem solver around here. Good. It sounds like you've got a lot of experience to kind of add to both sides and help out our policyholders. All right, Leslie, let's start this off with something super basic. What exactly is OSHA as it pertains to medical practices? I know I'm not super familiar with it, so give me a little background information on that. All right. So OSHA, or the Occupational Health and Safety Administration, was first established in 1970, and it was done under the U.S. Department of Labor. Their primary responsibility is to assure safe and healthy working conditions for America's workforce. Okay. It's important to remember in a medical practice specifically that OSHA only cares about your employees. There are so we're not talking about patients we here. Are, we're talking about solely your employees, the personnel working for you. Exactly. With you. Exactly. Okay. So if you get some sort of letter from OSHA, and you you immediately probably jump to patient safety, but there are lots of other organizations that handle those types of oversight. OSHA is specifically related to your staff okay. and the conditions that they work in every day. Um, And OSHA is somewhat unique in that they can write rules and also enforce them. And they also enforce rules for other organizations like the CDC, NIOSH, and even some Homeland Security standards and regulations. So when we think about medical practices specifically, we typically think about you know bloodborne pathogens and maybe um, hazardous communications for um, hazardous chemicals, things like that. But it's really more than that. The general duty clause is a law that covers all safety within a workplace, and it includes different regulations. You know, along with bloodborne pathogens and hazardous communications, it includes things like workplace violence and providing radiation safety, um, fire safety plans, things like that. And really, that general duty clause has two sides to it. First is your employer side. It requires employers to provide a workplace free from recognized hazards that might cause or are known to cause serious injury or death to employees. And that second part, it requires employees to follow those OSHA standards and any policies and procedures that are in place to protect them as it pertains to their own actions and conduct. 
Leslie, that's great information. It feels like it could be a little bit overwhelming if I'm a practice manager. You've just told me a lot of things that impact me as a manager, as well as my employees. Of course, I want to keep them safe. How do I even go about making sure I'm staying in compliance and keeping my employees' best interest in mind? Absolutely. It definitely can be overwhelming. Um, One thing that we always advise practices to start is you can't uh, eat an elephant in a day. You can only do it one bite at a time. Mm -hmm. So um, there are tons of resources online when it comes to getting a program in place within your practice. And we here at SVMIC provide a lot of resources as well as education and training for staff and management. Um, one thing that practice managers really need to make sure that they're following is those are those bloodborne pathogen standards as okay. well as the um, hazardous communications, hazardous chemical standard as well. There are training requirements as well as annual reviews of safer devices. So if there's, is that something SVMIC can help with? I know that we've got a lot of people that focus on OSHA as far as our practices go. Is that something that you can come in and help a practice, you know, see what they need to do or help guide them in creating a program for this? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's something that we do on a regular basis. Um, We can provide OSHA officer training or safety officer training. They come in a lot of different names, but we do that as a complimentary service for our policyholders. Okay. You said that there is required training. I'm assuming that the OSHA board's probably not the right way to say that, but <laughs> I'm assuming that there is some governing body yes. that requires certain training. Does SVMIC have resources for that? Are there are there any links that we can put in the show notes to help our listeners know where they can get some of that education in? Absolutely, absolutely. We provide in-person training for practices, and we also have online training available as well. Um, There are different trainings. There's a general OSHA training available, and as well as HASCOM and bloodborne pathogens that practices can utilize online. Okay. Kind of shifting gears a little bit, you know, COVID has hit us all so hard businesses, retail, restaurants, everyone. But I'm guessing that that has impacted a little bit OSHA policies and implementation and practices, especially as it concerns the pandemic. Can you talk about that a little bit? Maybe what changes you've seen at our practices? Oh, absolutely. So in June of 2021, OSHA came out with the Healthcare Emergency Temporary Standard. Um, That was where we saw all of the changes requiring masking, screening of patients and employees, social distancing, and all of those other regulations. And that has since expired, but OSHA has made it very, very clear that we're definitely not out of the woods. It's important that practices stay up to date on the CDC guidelines and recommendations, as well as the um, threat level within their community. A lot of the regulations now depend on the threat level within your community. Um, and it's it's important that they continue to take those precautions to protect employees because OSHA has explicitly stated that they will vigorously enforce rules under the general duty clause, under that law that requires employers to provide a safe working environment for their employees, and also under the respiratory uh, safety standard and uh, personal protective equipment standard. So it sounds like if a practice is in violation, 
they may end up being inspected or getting some type of fine or whatever it may be. How, what would cause that to happen? What would cause OSHA to end up inspecting an office? So yes, um, if, if, if OSHA comes in and they do find efficiencies, it can come with a hefty fine. Uh, typically, if something is reported, it's reported by an employee. Okay. It's, yeah, and it's very, very important that employers take staff complaints or recommendations issues, they have to take those very seriously because once the employee notifies the employer of an issue, you've basically been put on notice. Right. And at that point, steps need to be taken to mitigate that risk of injury or make changes to the environment so that risk is either mitigated or taken or away complete, sure. completely. Exactly. I'm guessing that um, you talked about practices having like an OSHA officer or safety administrator or something like that. I'm kind of hopping back to something you said earlier about the CDC guidelines. I know at least through COVID, it was kind of up to each individual person to kind of keep track of what that is. Is that something an OSHA security officer, safety officer, excuse me, could help? Is that part of their role to kind of keep up with that those guidelines are and implement that into the practice? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So if a practice is just getting started and developing a safety program, where what's the starting point for that? Is that back to the resources you were talking about earlier? Yes. Or? Okay. Absolutely. OSHA has tons of resources on their website, including um, sample plans. If you know this is something you want to do for yourself, there are companies that provide manuals that you just fill them out. There's there's lots of different options. Um, CDC and NIOSH both have tons of information as well. And like I said before. SVMIC has a lot of resources and education okay. opportunities. So just for our listeners, what, from what you've seen in visiting practices and stuff, like what's the number one risk you think that you've seen to our practices as far as OSHA is regarded? So a very helpful tool that comes out annually, um, Tennessee OSHA. And one thing I did want to state earlier when it comes to your program most states fall under the federal regulation, but there okay. are some states, including Tennessee, that has their own state-run program. Okay. So you definitely want to, if you are starting out, figure out, are you going to be under the federal regulation or are you going to be under a state-run program? So that is done by state, correct? So Tennessee is under Tennessee, but other states are by federal. Yes. It okay. just depends if your state has opted to have a state-run program. Okay. Yeah. So Arkansas is federal. Tennessee has their own. Okay. It, and there's a list uh, online. You can definitely get that information. And okay. your state will have plenty of information out there if they have their own state-run program. It sounds like we're going to have a bunch of good resources to link in the show notes today for today's episode. One handy item that uh, Tennessee OSHA has come out with annually, they have a list of their top most cited um, deficiencies. And for 2021, those number one was respiratory protection standard was the most cited. And that involved um, use the use of respirators among staff, meaning your N95 masks, things like okay. that, most likely COVID related, if I, if I had to guess. So meaning they weren't wearing their masks 
correctly. Yep, could have been that. Could have been fit testing was not done. Okay. um, Or wasn't documented. You know, documentation is everything. If you're doing something and it's not documented, it might as well have not been done. That's kind of a a pretty healthcare standard. Right. Document, 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 for sure. Um, Another, the second most cited was under the hazardous communications standard. And that has to do with training, making sure that you're training your employees regularly. And then third, the bloodborne pathogen standard was third most cited involving lack of documentation for annual review of safer uh, medical devices. So making sure that annually you are reviewing all of your sharps. Okay, so I probably should have asked this a little bit ago. You've hit a few times on hazardous communications, and most of our listeners may know what that means. I do not. Will you explain to me what what do you mean by hazardous communications? Okay, hazardous communications, hazardous chemicals, that's the standard that requires employers to provide information and education on the chemicals that an employee is going to come in contact with daily. So that's having your safety data sheets in order, making sure that staff is aware of how to properly handle them, dispose of them, proper PPE to wear, items like that. Okay. All right. That's great to know. Leslie, this has been super informative. Thank you so much for walking us through all of this. I know it can probably be pretty overwhelming to our practices to make sure that they're taking care of patients and that their employees feel safe and are safe. Before we finish, though, are there any last-minute tips or advice you can give us before we leave? Um, Absolutely. One thing that I highly encourage is for managers and safety officers or OSHA officers to cultivate a culture where employees feel safe in reporting injuries, incidents, complaints, anything that's changed, because you want to be aware of that as an employer and make sure that you're taking care of it in a timely fashion before anybody does get hurt. Um, And especially, you know, if it's a needle stick injury or something like that, there are protocols that have to go into place within a certain amount of hours. So you want your staff to come to you in the event that something does happen so that you can ensure that they are taken care of properly. It sounds like it's really important to make sure that you've got an OSHA program in place, a safety officer or a point of contact that your employees know that's who they go to. That's who they can go to anytime. They're going to be taken seriously and heard. Um, and that as a practice, we're going to be responsive and we want our employees to feel safe. So this has been really informative. Listeners, we're going to link quite a few resources in the show notes today on that. Thank you so much, Leslie. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Your Practice Made Perfect. Listen to more episodes, subscribe to the podcast, and find show notes at svmic.com slash podcast. The contents of this podcast are intended for informational purposes only and do not constitute legal advice. Policyholders are urged to consult with their personal attorney for legal advice, as specific legal requirements may vary from state to state and change over time. All names in the case have been changed to protect privacy. Privacy.